Welcome to the Christian Renewal Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org. Morning, family. Morning, Dorothy. We love you here. You too, Don. Uh, I want to commend, uh, you know, we, th- those of you that weren't here or those of you who were listening to the preacher may have not have known all the excitement that was going on last week. While I was preaching, there was an, an ambulance underneath the Porta Cachet and there was a fire truck circling the parking lot. And uh, we just had a little incident. And, uh, but Dorothy's fine. And uh, we're glad about that and want to appreciate the elders who get robbed and uh, Mike, who were there, and, and very much so Jerry Shallow and the ushers uh, for being there in the emergency situations. We have at this church a security team that's being assembled. And uh, at some point, uh, he's already been given authority uh, to oversee the security here, but one day we're going to set him in, lay hands on him, authorize him. Is that all right, elders? That... Uh, when there's a situation, that's the man in charge, and uh, that, that's the group that's, that, that handles things. So we appreciate the security team and the ushers and all that's going on here. Don't even have to think about it. I can, I can face the front of the platform during worship knowing that behind me, these guys got eyes on everything, and so I appreciate that. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, let's, let's go back to the book of Acts where we have been doing our studies in Acts chapter 6, just also to let you know, Pastor uh, Caleb, why do I want to keep calling him Micah? Pastor Caleb will be, will be here next week. That's no, not prophetic. He'll be here next week with us. Uh, but right now we are walking through the book of Acts, and uh, we finished uh, Acts chapter 5 last Sunday. And so this Sunday, we're looking at Acts chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Pharmanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. 
Now, this, the setting here uh, for chapter 6, of course, is continuing church growth. As we've walked through the book of Acts, we saw, of course, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 that came to the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And in Acts chapter 4, there were 5,000 heads of households saved after the raising of the lame man from the gate beautiful. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 14, after the Ananias and Sapphira event, and the scripture says, And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Now, no one really knows how many believers there are in Jerusalem at this point nor do they know the population really accurately of of Jerusalem at that point. But obviously, thousands of believers, this is having a huge impact. I mean, this is a major earth, spiritual earth-shaking event going on in Jerusalem. Now, uh, rapid church growth, lots of families coming in, lots of families moving in as well into the city, Administrating the needs of a crowd like this is a pretty big task for the apostles. And as a matter of fact, the, you know, people were coming from the villages from around Jerusalem, and they were even laying their sick on the sides of the road so that Peter's shadow could pass by. So this is the kind of crowds that, that were happening with the church. Now we see in verse 1, While this increase, while this growth, while this revival is going on, a complaint arose. Imagine that. In church, a Christian complaining. I mean, these carnal people. There's a a parallel for us in the book of Acts, or in the the book of Exodus. uh, Same thing when Moses was, was the leader, Pastor Moses, he had two million Jews. That's a whole lot more Jews. And they had grumbling problems as they moved into a new day. And I bring this up because here at Christian Renewal Church, we feel that we are moving in to a new day here. And we're excited about it. We have a new leader that's going to join the team. They're going to have some fresh ideas, fresh direction, some fresh faces, and probably if some fresh problems may show up, you know, and it always does when there's growth. Uh, so we're excited, but realistically, we can expect some adjustments. Reorganization. We don't know. We'll see what we get. So with change, of course, comes challenges, and with growth come problems. Second uh, William, it says, uh, blessed are the flexible, they shall not be broken. Isn't that? That's it's in my book somewhere. The Posey version reads, they, don't get the, they, they won't get their undies in a wad. That's, that's, how, that's how Brother Gilbert would say it. So blessed are the flexible. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm exhorting this house in advance of where we're going to hold an open hand with our preferences of style, hold with an open hand our ministries, our past success, our traditions, and rejoice in the diversity that would be the kingdom of God 
and his breath upon us. I think we can all say amen to that. And I'm confident we can do this well. We can do this with class, and we can, we can move forward in the, in the things of God in love. I believe this. Now, in this problem that they were having in Acts chapter 6, there are two groups of Jews, two classes of Jews here. There are the Hellenists. These are the Greek Jews, the converts from outside of Jerusalem that had been dispersed and uh, they are coming into the city. Some of them are moving into the city as a result of the news of the Messiah and the conversion to Christianity. These, are, these spoke Greek. They had lived in other parts of the Roman Empire. And, uh, of course, you know, being in Jerusalem at this time, you know, the Messiah has come. The culmination of the kingdom is happening. And so they didn't want to leave Jerusalem. So you had a group of the Greek Jews, and then you have the... The home folks, you got the regular Palestinian Jews, the locals there. And so by Jewish law, uh, they were responsible to take care of their widows. And so this became the problem. Some of the widows were being overlooked in the daily serving or the daily administration of the needs of the widows. They were being overlooked. Now, this is probably because of the growth problems, but perhaps partiality. I mean, that could come into play. And so this became a problem. And so that the 12 summoned the congregation and they were going to keep their priorities of ministering the Word of God and devoting themselves to prayer. Just as Jesus taught them. Jesus trained them that way. They were to preach the Word and then they would be given to prayer. But, you know, when, when you got crowds and when you have a revival, the work increases an important point and if we're willing to work and if God sees he's got he's got an army prepared and an army in unity he can breathe on that because it does it requires some work now uh, the apostles brought they they uh, they brought their solution that the congregation was to pick 12 or pick seven and they authorized these seven for the work of the ministry, for the work of this task anyway. Just one task was being given to them to, to administrate this problem. You know, when it says uh, it's not for us to serve tables, that's, that's like a Hebrew idiom uh, to administrate this task. It wasn't that they were just becoming waiters, you know, and clearing tables. It was a little more than that. These seven men, to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, were to take this particular task. And so it was delegated to them by the 12 apostles uh, to solve this problem. And, and what I want to say in this is government is being applied to the problem. And, then, and in this chapter, this is where we see government entering in. We, we saw it in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira with uh, church discipline. But here it's a problem and government gets applied to it. Now, let me give you the whole scenario. We're in revival. We're in growth. Powerful, wonderful things are happening. We got a problem. But we apply government to it. We apply administration to it. We have some delegation applied to it. And we have in verse 7 the continued revival. The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples continued to increase greatly. I want to tell you, these apostles were governing this revival. They were pastoring the revival. And when revival is properly governed, it continues. 
when this see every revival, every move of God at some point fades away. And I've learned this about successful churches and churches that fail. It is usually a government problem in there somewhere. And and I'll show this to you through the scripture. Because what I want to talk about this morning is the existence of government in the earth that God has ordained. Okay, I think it is, matter of fact, I know it is, one of the most important concepts that we encounter with God. When we came into God's kingdom, God, government is God's idea. God established government in the earth. He established government in society. This is his idea. He discovered, he, he, he implemented it in marriage, in the family, and of course it ultimately all flows from the throne. This is the center of God's existence, is the throne. You know, when John saw heaven opened up, what did he see? He saw a throne, and God being the highest authority. And so the kingdom of God is all about his authority. That's what a kingdom is. Kingdom, kingdom is government. Kingdom is government. And so as we come into God's government, this is the first thing we encounter when we come into the kingdom, we, 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 we're confronted with government. We find out we're not in charge here. There's a higher authority. See, last week I talked about civil disobedience. There is a time when the authority of God supersedes the authorities and the laws of men. That's the time for civil disobedience. But I tell you, the greater principle is our obedience to the highest authority and getting in line with the highest authority. So God has set up government in the earth. He set it up in every area of society. Here's a verse of scripture in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Good or bad, government is what he's set in. Verse 1 says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. It is the minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Peter said it this way, Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to as governors sent by him. So uh, the kingdom, we enter it. When we face authority, we come to his authority. We bow the knee to the king when we come into the kingdom. But this is also how the kingdom is advanced. This is what I'm doing as a, as a preacher. I'm, I'm calling for others to come under the authority of Jesus Christ and surrender their lives to him. Now, that being said, God's government on the earth, is it exists through delegated authority. Just as God commissioned Adam, 
And he also authorized his disciples to be his representatives in the earth and empowered them to do so. In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, it says it the best. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. The one who listens to you listens to me. This is delegated authority. They speak for God. Now, let me, let me, let me quickly clarify something here. Probably every one of us in here have seen bad authority. And maybe you've been hurt by bad authority. There, there's, there's, there's a strong judgment on those that are in delegated authority. A strong judgment. And uh, there's only some things God will let pass. There's a huge requirement on those that he authorizes uh, in his kingdom. But anything in the earth is coming through his delegated authority. And so he says, whoever listens to you, this is Jesus talking, listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So to disobey delegated authority is to disobey God. Now, Saul was authorized, in, we'll see in the book of Acts in another chapter, he was authorized by the high priest to arrest Christians. Now, he was on the road to Damascus, you know the story, and he met on the road the highest authority above the high priest. Bam! He encountered authority. Now, he then could submit to just your average Joe believer named Ananias who was sent from God to him because he understood authority. Here's Saul. I mean, he was he was very qualified man in every way. Authorized by the high priest. But this believer from Jerusalem, God appears to him and says, I want you to go to Saul. I just knocked him off his donkey. He was the one that was God's delegated authority, the one being sent. Saul bowed the knee because in bowing the knee to Ananias, he was yielding to the king that he had just met. See, this is a concept I want to get drilled. I want to, <laughs> I want to keep it in my mind. We, once you encounter God's authority, you will live governed. And you will see government and respond to authority wherever you encounter it. See, this is, a, but you know, part of uh, what's sparking this in, inside of me this morning is there are so many examples. We live in a very rebellious society. We got customers fighting with flight attendants. Excuse me, but the flight attendants are in authority here. They're there for our safety. The, the law of our land has authorized them and has authorized that pilot. He's in charge. He's in charge of that plane. The airport's not in charge anymore. When he's in that seat, he's in charge of that plane and everything that goes on to that plane, he's the highest authority on that plane, right? Right. Even if the president is sitting back there, the president has to yield to him. Doesn't matter how if you're, if you're smarter. Huh? Doesn't matter if you're more qualified. It's a matter of 
government. And when you step in and you stay in authority, that's where you're blessed. That's, that's where you're yielded. And that's where the benefits of the kingdom of God are within the boundaries of his authority. Okay? So we see this uh, over and over and over in the scripture. In Matthew chapter 8, we see the centurion who came to Jesus for his paralyzed servant who was at home. He recognized Jesus as a man under authority. Jesus said, I'll come. He said, no, 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 you don't have to come. He says, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. I say to this soldier, go, and he goes. I say to this soldier, come, and he comes. And here's Jesus' response to him was, this guy understands authority. I have not seen greater faith in all of Israel. But this Italian Roman man, he's got more faith than any of you here. Why? He understands this greatest concept in the kingdom, which is government and authority. No one can advance in the kingdom unless they first understand this concept and yield to authority. We are not allowed to do as we wish in God's kingdom. That would be every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Now, Satan was the first to break with God's authority, being self-willed and proud and rebellious. We see this in Isaiah, uh, the five I wills of Satan. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. He was cast out of the kingdom. Self-will. Self-will didn't belong in God's kingdom. He violated God's authority. And to violate God's government, and you know, this, this is so important, is to res- in resisting God's delegated authorities is to operate in a principle of Satan. Should I say that again? This is a, this is, this is a heavy heavy topic here, but I want to tell you something. It is a vital topic in moving forward in what God wants to do in the earth. We must, everyone must, everyone comes to his government. And once you do that, it changes your outlook on everything. It changes your outlook on ministry. It changes your outlook on church. It changes your whole worldview. And we understand that he is the highest authority, and he has delegated authority in the earth in the midst of a rebellious society. One day, rebellion is going to be removed from the entire earth. So there are many rogue, self-willed Christians who are not submitted to God's system of authority. They idolize ministry position, and although they cast out devils and heal the sick, Jesus says they're operating in lawlessness apart from his authority. Now that's that verse of scripture where Jesus says to those that are lawless, those that weren't authorized by him, depart from me. You're lawless. What do you mean? Not under authority. I didn't authorize this. You know, you can do the works of God and the acts of God and not be under his authority. We see this in the story of Nadab and Abihu who moved out from under authority that was set in place in the tabernacle. 
And they offered fire in their fire pans. You know that story? The fire that they had and these 250 priests had, see, they, they spoke up against Moses and um, said, you know, what are you the only one that can hear from God? No, you know, God's going to use God. And they were rebelling against God's order of that day and in that time. And so there was a test of where they brought their fire and their fire pans before the Lord. And it looked a whole lot like what the other priests did. Fire and the fire pan and the incense. And, but they got destroyed. Why? They were doing the right thing. Doing it in the wrong way. You can do the right thing in the wrong way. And, and what, I'm, what I'm getting to is the way of the heart. The submission of the heart is an attitude. Obedience is an outward expression of an inward of, of that inward submission to the Lord. Now, Paul writes about this in the book of Jude when he says to those that are rebellious, those that are false teachers, those that are under self-willed and under their own authority, he says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Korah. spoke against Moses, came out from under authority. This was the rebellion of Korah. There was a rebellion of Nadab and Abihu, but the rebellion of Korah, I, I mixed them up. Nadab and Abihu were just the two that, uh, that fire came and destroyed them. Uh, but the rebellion of Korah was the 250 priests that were in rebellion. Here's what he says. These are grumblers finding fault, following after their own desire and lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining advantage. These are people who may be gifted, who pursue ministry, but are not in God's order. They're self-willed. The issue is this, I'm trying to get across, is not doing works for God, but it is submission to God who authorizes you to do His works. God does not promote gifting. He does not promote education. He does not promote knowledge. That's not the way of the kingdom. He promotes the submitted and the faithful. These are the ones who are great in the kingdom. And what I want to say is that in this house, there are some wonderful, faithful, yielded, submitted hearts. And it's a delight to see. And I'm, I'm looking at one right now. And another one right now. The house is full because what? You learned authority. You learned authority. There's some ministries here uh, like Sandy. Sandy moved in your heart. You brought the ministry and you laid it down and you let authority speak into it and then got behind that ministry to support you and help you. See, what you did is you, you were yielding to Jesus himself and the authority that was put in place. And that would have been this one who has been set in place for a particular task. Might be just for a task. It might be for a position. My point is there's, a, there's an order. And when I see and understand the order, that's when we flourish. That's when we flourish as a church. That's when you flourish as a 
a person. Because the hard part about this is submitting to delegated authority. That's my flesh doesn't want to be told what to do. My flesh doesn't like correction. <laughs> see, see, that's not only in the flesh, but it's really in us Americans. More than any other culture, we are an independent-minded people. We started this nation in revolt. Yeah, and we're very self-sufficient uh, culture. Uh, no one's going to tell us what to do. This is a free country. Don't tread on me. You see, that's, that's kind of in our very culture. And so uh, I find that the Chinese submit very easily. There's a very strong government in place there. See, I'm safer walking the streets of China than I am walking the streets of Chicago at night. Or Africa, because of strong government that is yielded to. Now, in the kingdom, when we're yielded, it does some damage to our flesh and to our culture. I know this is such an exciting Sunday morning message, isn't it? We don't like, our flesh doesn't like it. Matter of fact, when the state patrolman pulls you over, you are usually not thanking God at that moment for government. But they are there as the servants of the Lord. And once you recognize authority... Listen, I think most of us in here wouldn't be found fighting or shooting police. Now, what's going on in our country? It's just the rebellion of man. And it isn't getting any better. But the kingdom, here is one thing that we will look like and the church will look like the most submitted obedient to every authority. Now, some of you may be teachers that, that work in schools. You, are, you can see with your eyes the rebellion of the heart of man that exists in your very classroom. And then you can see those that have been raised right by their parents that have understood authority. Someone once said, you know, before you give guns... Back to the teachers, maybe we ought to give them their paddles back. Actually, it's the parents that need the paddles. The parents have been ordained of the Lord in His system of authority to, to bring submission to the heart of that child. And if that fails, if you fail at that point, that child's in trouble. That child will rebel on all points and all places. And he might miss the kingdom of God because of the way he was raised. So authority, and what I'm trying to say here, is the way of God. But the flesh, you know, humility and submission is a death to the flesh. Now, how can I know where I'm at? Because you're probably like me. You have probably spoken against delegated authority before. I mean, think about from the time you got saved and the churches you came up through and you were tested. We all get tested. I'll tell you what will test us. When we're offended, 
that, that will test whether we're submitted or not. And when we see faults in delegated authority, that tests whether or not I'm going to yield or not. See, right now, all you got to do is look at the White House, a delegated authority, Are there some defects there in the Oval Office? Oh, yeah, there's some defects there. Does that change the fact that he's not my authority? No, he is my president. Faults, warts, and all. And we may have had pastors where we feel like, oh, you know, I know more than him. I've got more experience than him. And that'll test your heart whether you're going to submit or not to a 27-year-old man. (laughs) So when we see faults in authority, and you will, and you'll be offended by authority. If I haven't offended you yet, just hold on. (laughs) And I'm not even in authority here. I'm just a guest speaker. See, the elders are the ones in authority here, and the positions that's been given to Susan is a a position of responsibility, and with that comes authority. I'm just a guest speaker. I'm out of here after the end of the service. So so I can talk about this. But what I'm trying to do is highlight the way of the Lord. This is the way of the Lord. And if I never get this, I'll never succeed in my, in my spiritual walk. I'll never succeed. And so understanding this, and even though you may not even agree with that delegated authority, you don't like how he's doing it. He is the delegation of God, and to obey him is to bow the knee to Jesus. Now, there's a whole other standard given to delegated authority, and there's plenty of this in the Scripture. I can't get into all that right now. Because there is authority that is self-willed, building their own kingdom, abusive, yes. But are there some unsubmitted believers? Absolutely. (laughs) There's a problem on both ends, you see. And, and, And when this gets fixed by the Spirit of the Lord, that's when God has free reign in the earth. When things are set up according to His order. God said to Moses on the mountain, he said to him, when he was building the tabernacle, he said, remember the vision given to you on the mountain that I gave you. Build this tabernacle exactly like that. And when the tabernacle was built, according to specification, every part anointed just as he saw in the vision, just as he saw on the mountain, then there was a place on the earth where the power and the presence of God became manifest over that tabernacle. You saw it with your eyes, with a cloud of, a pillar of cloud and fire over. It was the presence of God among them and all the benefits of that presence because there was something that was in line and something that was in agreement with heaven right there in the middle of the desert. Now, when God has a people that understand, first of all, He's the King. And you see, then my will has to yield to him. And I give my life to him. Now, that government comes into the earth through delegated authority. 
And to bow the knee there and not resist delegated authority creates a structure and creates a place for the presence and the glory of God to rest among his people that are humble and submitted. And so the self-willed and the rebellious, God cannot walk with that. He resists the proud, the scripture says. And so in preparation for a future day, in preparation for walking with God, there is a bowing of the heart and a continual bowing of the heart and a testing of my heart. The Holy Spirit is doing a testing of my heart. Can I be corrected? Can I be instructed? God, I love living with a teacher in my house. Teachers are always instructing. You need a lot of instruction. But man, when it comes, I'll tell you, uh, I, I, I'm receiving it much better from my wife, but sometimes I can be out somewhere and I'm at a store or something and, uh, uh, and, and there's an employee there that says, you can't put that there. Something bristles in my foot. I don't want to be told, who are you? You know, see, listen, let me tell you how this works in the church. When the usher, let's say I'm the pastor. When the usher tells me, uh, Bill, don't park here, Pastor Bill, uh, park over here today. Who are you? (laughs) He's the delegated authority in this area, in this task, and I am to bow the knee. And when I bow the knee to that usher, I'm bowing the knee to Jesus. You've got to see that you got to see the connection. Oh, I know better than him. I know more of the Bible than him. I've been here longer than him. I'm more experienced than him. I'm going to tell you something. God will take an ignorant, inexperienced, non-seminary trained person and use him for his glory if he's a submitted man. And then you could take somebody that's full of the Bible, full of experience, and hadn't gotten anywhere yet. It's because there might be a heart issue going on. He can't be corrected. And he gets offended. And he goes from one place to another until he can find some place to where we, we don't choose delegated authority. God does. I don't choose who I submit to. God does. Okay, I'm, I'm really laboring this. How am I doing, Susan? You got, keep, would you get the car running out here and... Uh, for me just right outside the door here Let, let's let's move on with this so it's 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 hard on the flesh and the key to a personal maturity and a strong church is understanding this idea is there imperfect delegated authority oh yeah imperfect submitted believers oh yeah you know, when you look in the Bible, you, there's so many illustrations of this. You see David underneath the authority of King Saul. Talk about an imperfect authority. But yet David knew he was God's anointed. And he knew to touch that would be to touch God and to resist God. He knew that. And this pre- these principles are strongly put in the Scripture for our understanding. And so he didn't lift a finger. He, even though he was anointed to sit in that throne, he didn't lift a finger to get there. He trusted the Lord. 
and yielded to the present king that was on the throne. And that's what qualified him as a heart after God. Why? He, he, he knew the highest authority and had already bound to it. You may even be the son of God on the earth as Jesus was, and yet he was subject to human authority. Subject to his mother and father, for one thing, Mary and Joseph. But remember when the high priest was commanding that he answer a question? Jesus yielded to the high priest. He was submitted. And let me say this. He was... letting himself be tortured and murdered in his submission to the Father. He was the most submitted and humble of all. Jesus primarily, although he died for sinners and he died for us and he died to make a new covenant, primarily Jesus came and died in obedience to his Father. To do the Father's will. And that's a demonstration for you and I. It really, really is. He laid down his will to the complete degree to be tortured and killed because he loved his Father. And to love him is to obey him. I'm thankful that Jesus laid down his will. He was not self-willed when he was here in the earth. Let me show this one more scripture here. Philippians chapter 2. You know the verse. Verse 5 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. This is what God promotes, humility and submission. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you always obeyed in my presence only, now much more in my absence, Paul saying to him, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to do, to will, and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. We have a fine example in Jesus' life of submission to the Father. I got it out. Did you get it? You know, we are in the fifth season or the fifth Sunday of what the Christian liturgical calendar gives us as Lent, the Lenten season. And, uh, and, and what that is, is that's 40 days of before Good Friday, before the death of Christ, uh, before Easter, uh, 
were, I don't know, how many of you were raised Catholic? Yeah. 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 It it was a period of of self-examination and allowing the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and your life, see that you're in submission. (laughs) Is there any any sin in in your life? Are are you committed to to the authority of God? And uh, we all had to give up. It, there was, it was a season of self-denial, as you remember. Uh, we gave up, always gave up something for Lent. Huh, candy? As a kid, you gave up candy. Uh, this, this year for Lent, I gave up Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and cigars. So Lenten season begins with Ash Wednesday, which is a reminder of our mortality, and it ends on Good Friday, which is our identification with the death of Christ, and Easter is the celebration of new life. And so uh, this time of self-denial, we have the Holy Spirit examining our lives, bringing us into the submission from God, for God. I, uh, I heard a word during worship about circumcision of the heart. Did you hear that? You heard that, didn't you? Circumcision of the heart. And that's what the Lord does. He cuts away the flesh. He cuts away the rebellion by the work of his spirit to bring us into the fullness of his life. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 3. Paul said this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death so that somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You know, prior to revival is a time of repentance. It's, it's prior to revival is a yielding of our wills. Prior to this, there, uh, of God moving in a great way, is a unity that happens from the top down. And so in, in bringing this up to our American culture, you know, people ask all the time, you know, what, where's all the power in God's church? We're in the American church. Why, why don't we have any miracles here? Why don't we, you know... I think there's an inner work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in his house all over this nation to prepare a people that can handle what comes with his kingdom. Can you say amen to that? So let's, let's have a prayer. Let's have a Lenten prayer right now. Uh, Holy Spirit, we, uh, we hear from the scriptures You are the ultimate authority in heaven and earth. And you have given unto us your delegated authorities. And and here's what I want to lead you in. Uh, as, As I talk out things like this as poorly as I've done this morning, as I talk something out like this, the Holy Spirit is is quick to bring my memory to us of a time when we badmouthed authority much as Korah, bad mouth Moses, perhaps you resisted authority that was delegated of God to you because it was imperfect. Well, take that memory and apologize to God. <laughs> confess it as sin, confess it as rebellion, confess it as evil in your heart, and say, I'm Holy Spirit. Bring my heart back into your order. Bring my heart back into the fullness of your kingdom authority. 
Do that in us, I ask, Holy Spirit. Where we have erred, and we all have, all of us, our flesh has risen and it has resisted you. There has been pride in our hearts at times, God, that has been contrary to the flow of your authority. Well, Lord, we lay that before you this morning and we receive your cleansing. Cleanse us from all self-will. Cleanse us from rebellion. Cleanse us from the things that are not in agreement with your power, not in agreement with your authority. We yield our hearts to you. Circumcise our hearts today, Lord. Do that work within so that your work without can be manifest. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon. Be sure to visit ChristianRenewalHHI.org for more resources.